Welcome everybody to uh, the first episode of uh, 2023. It's been a bit of a delay, but it's been a busy start to the year. I hope all my listeners are well. And as you all know, I'm delighted to welcome uh, the wonderful, lovely Ketna to the uh, the show. And Ketna and I go back a few years in the world of social media, et cetera, et cetera. And she is just not going to spoil her story, but she's just branched out to do her own uh, own thing. Welcome to the dark side or the light side. I don't, uh, I don't know, but the truth as it were. Um, but as always, uh, the title is Employee Advocacy or Corporate Spam or Corporate Vomit, as sometimes I refer it to, but didn't really want that in the, in the actual printed title. Anyway, I'll stop, uh, stop waffling. Um, Ketna, as always, who, what, why, when, where, and let's see what rabbit hole we go down on this one. <laughs> thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Um, I am, um, yeah, so I basically stepped out of my corporate career. It's been about um, 17 years now. And I've now, like you say, branched out into potentially the dark side. It's been an exciting journey. So I've only been, I'm only one month in, but I am actually looking to set up my own training company to help companies to evolve their social media offering. Because you and I both know that not all companies are doing it that well. So it's it's about helping them evolve their that space because and it's it's impl- under, getting them to understand tools like employee advocacy like sales navigator potentially and also the other tools that get less spoken about mm-hmm. uh, within this space because that's that's effectively there's so much more to social media than just the marcom side of what it is and it's using social media as a business tool as opposed to marketing so that's basically how i'm going to be stepping out into into the deep dark world of um entrepreneurship <laughs> and i said i you know i'm already my brain's already going as it always does because my audience know these are never scripted we never we never prepare them yeah, no. um which is a good thing or bad thing i don't know but it's the you know we, we and i've been in the game more or less the same amount of same amount of time so if we take a step back in time, um, a quick potted history of how how have you seen kind of social media from a B to B perspective kind of evolve over the last um, ten years? And I think maybe we can touch on the acceleration that's happened, you know, through because of the the, the pandemic. But where, where where has it been, and where where are we today, and where do we think it could or maybe should go? I think that when you're looking at B2B and B2C, social media or marketing, it's not necessarily looking into it's B2B, so therefore it has to be done this way. It's B2C, so it has to be done that way. It's looking at how am I going to be engaging with my customer? And if you've put your customer in, in at the forefront of everything that you're talking to them about, that's the space that you want them to um, to explore. And I feel like often marketers get so caught up in that um, in that space of let me talk to them in the, the way that traditionally b2b marketing has always been done mm-hmm. and we don't want them to do that because how are you going to step we've all heard about the noise mm-hmm. in terms of what's being um, said and done out there and i think um Gartner or Edelman, one of them actually came up with a stat that said 71% of decision makers found that over half of content, B2B content, was ineffective. It was invaluable. The thought leadership that was being put out there, it's just contributing to the noise. Mm -hmm. And we do see a lot of noise out there. 
and unfortunately that that's a space and that's how if you look at linkedin for example yeah. that's where b2b marketers have often gone to they are using it but not using it effectively the content is stale it's pdf so it's it's reports it's research but they're not looking at how do i bring this content how do i make it b to c and how do i make this pop out how do i influence someone within the first three seconds how do i get to captivate their attention to draw them in because this might actually be interesting so i think the evolution of content whilst i don't think it's quite there Mm -hmm. is taking place um i as um, i mentioned to you earlier but I was in a presentation last week where somebody talked about influencers for the first time. I've never heard that being talked about at any corporate event when it came to B2B marketing. So if you're talking about influencers now, that's a fantastic step forward. But I still think that there's so much, there's, there's a long way to go. So let's, I'm not going to go the, down the influencer route yet. We will. So <laughs> yes. I, want, I want to reflect on um, the comments you made around Kind of the noise and um, the 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 content, and I'm going to pose because I agree with you, and it's frustrating when I work with clients and you see the the 15 repetitions of the front page of a report, and no no reason as to why anybody should um should should read it, and when you see it one two three four five six seven times at the same time in your feed, it just becomes noise. So to be clear, what I'm picking on the element piece, what we're what we're not saying is that we shouldn't be doing thought leadership or PDFs or long form content. What we are saying, though, is we need to think about creating better hooks and top of funnel, if you will, or reason as to why should I pause, spend a bit of time on this and then potentially look to download the whole paper and read a 3,000, 5,000, 1,000 word, um, word piece or listen to a half an hour uh, podcast on some really dull regulatory change that's <laughs> that, that, <laughs> so that That's what we're saying, yes. It's not necessarily yeah. the, the body of content itself, but yes, mm-hmm. we agree. The content has to be engaging and interesting for, for the reader, long form, short form. It is that initial hook to cut through the, cut through the noise. So... Absolutely. And also, you know, I know we're going to be talking about employee advocacy, but your employee advocacy is only as good as the content. Mm-hmm. The tool is only as good as the content. And if the content isn't that great, then, of course, the advocates are only taking what is being provided to them. Yeah. So in that respect, you're really sort of looking at the content itself. And it, I don't know, this conversation could almost go become a content yeah. subject, but it's, look, let's look at this content. Let If we were to dissect it, are, are B2B marketers or comms doing this, doing its justice for what they should be doing to be able to take quite a serious topic and make and turn it into an impactful way to cut through the noise? Because they do need to cut through the noise because there's a lot of noise out there. Okay, so let's 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 pause and I like your turn of phrase there of doing this this content justice because I had this conversation the other day mm. with a law firm where they were talking about, well, what, what do we what do we post? And I went to their website and said, Well, look at all these podcasts, look at all these videos. I'm assuming you pay someone quite a lot of money to produce and create those, and they're just sitting there fallow on a website hoping that someone might 
find it and hoping that someone might listen to it. And these are partners, right? And they all shuffle and look at their feet and, you know, go, oh, okay, understand. But that, that's, you know, part of that. I, I like the, the, the doing the content justice. Mm. Is, is this then a leadership question? Because I'm hearing in my head and you've been, we've both been on that side of the table. Um, I haven't got time. I haven't got the resource to actually do what needs to be done to give justice to this content. I may even have the creativity, the creativity to, to do what I want to do, but is it it's time, money, or dare I say, permission that they can do that? And part of that question reflects on what you were saying earlier is that this is, marketing whereas 10 for those that are listening a big smile has just appeared um, <laughs> for those uh, and 10 years ago 15 years ago yes social media i guess was or is marketing i'm going to pause there because i want to be leading in terms of the conversation um, i think i know where we're going to go but i'll let you i'll let <laughs> i'll let you reflect <laughs> i think i alluded to it earlier is that it's it's a business tool and it should be used as social media should be used as a business tool and if it is then it will be given the gravitas that it probably needs to do that but going back to your earlier point where you said do we have do we need the permission i often feel that companies that you you know you you work in law mm-hmm. that i i've worked in finance which have, is highly regulated yep. They are very afraid to really push the needle. They don't want to almost draw attention to what they're doing. I do find that that's often a um, a matter that they are grappling with is that we want people to know, but we don't want to draw too much attention to it because that's that's getting out of, outside of our comfort zone. And, or they're somewhat afraid to do that. And that's the sort of, and the marketers and the comms and social media, they're all sort of start trying to balance themselves on that tightrope of what's yeah. what, what do we do? How do we get there? And that's why you're getting, it better I say it, crap content. <laughs> <laughs> so... Um, and that that's that's the space that we're currently dealing with and and it takes a few brave marketers and a brave, brave comms people to really to convince the companies that this is what we should be doing. They've got to have incredible influential skills to be able to bring this that senior leadership along with them because that's not their wheelhouse. Yeah. And that, ref- so I'm reflecting on a post, I think it was um, uh, Barney from uh, Alex Partners uh, posted a couple of weeks ago. I think it was on the drum or raconteur and it was around um, a couple of marketers had been interviewed and around the trust piece that mm. you're if you're a CEO or CEO, you know, at least as a CEO managing yeah. partner, whomever, you have hired a CMO to do a job, therefore trust them to do a job. And if you <laughs> yes. come with something that's a little bit rogue or a little bit, yeah, but we didn't do that, we've never done that before. Well, that's the, there's a reason, and now that now is the time to try something a little bit different, which is yeah. I guess comes. And it, this is a tricky one, right? Because now we're going beyond. We're going to come back to the the employee advocacy stuff for sure. But I think this is really important to to kind of at least touch on because 
if there isn't that trust there, I, I feel that one one will never be able to break out of that echo chamber that we're just doing that we're all in the sea of uh, of sameness. And you may not have an answer to this, but have you experienced or seen or can give any points as to how within the world of kind of marketing, let's just, let's put it under that that topic for the for the moment, you can start to build that that trust with leadership that I know what I'm doing and we're not gonna <laughs> we're not gonna be on the front page of the FT or the Daily Mail for all the wrong for all the wrong reasons for a campaign that's gonna go um go viral. However, I do remember way back when I used to work for Foxons in a previous life and they always said all publicity is good publicity. <laughs> well yeah <laughs> there is that but often what I found and this is me kind of going rogue and I do do this often um but I, I go under the radar mm -hmm. and where you're seeking forgiveness and not yeah. permission, whereas you're going out and suggesting to them, let's do a pilot. At least let's try a pilot. Let's try this. Let's dip our toes in the water. Mm -hmm. And at that point, you really sort of, um, you're just getting, easing them into it. If you're not easing them into it, then it's going to come as a big shock. Yeah. And so that, has always been a tactic of mine and i feel like it has worked and mm -hmm. sometimes you win some you lose some yeah. it's just it's it's going along with the game and, and playing that to to expect expect that but um yeah i i do find that there's never going to be a um a right or wrong answer either because everyone everyone depends on how good you are at influencing your stakeholders mm -hmm. and how much space you even have at that table okay. and who's overpowering your voice as well yeah. um, because if if you've got somebody else who is adamant that this is going against you you're not going to be able to get that voice across and and I do find that many people they don't want to rock the boat so they just won't do it and so you won't necessarily have advocates for you and I and I'm just reflecting on you know conversations I've been privy to where it's there are people who aren't even marketing experts or social media experts but they are senior and they think they know yeah they think, oh, they, know they, think they know they everything they know yes <laughs> absolutely um, yes so okay and yes so i guess it's for the listeners that you know we're, we're all in the same boat we we feel it yeah. but i think now is the time to try and be be brave maybe go under the radar or find somebody who, you know a, a a willing senior voice who's happy to kind of give you that air cover if it is um yeah uh, it, it is needed so if we then step oh, just, back sorry well, just to add to that one other thing is sometimes speaking in their language okay because often marketers speak or comms speak in their language they're trying to influence talking in their jargon and you've almost got to work in the yeah. leadership's jargon and you have to get to get them to understand it in their terms so just i'll leave it that about impressions or click yes. utm links or uh, all this down all this kind of uh, kind exactly of yeah um, so back to well not back to but kind of continuing down that um, mm. that lane, if we kind of go on the because it is all in, in interlinked kind of employee advocacy seems to be coming full circle again mm -hmm. yes. <laughs> in uh, in the fifteen or so years that I've been um, on the receiving end of it and the last however long I've been consulting kind of not to it but it's been always part of the conversation around social yeah. selling is social selling employee advocacy or is it is it not and I think they are. That fundamentally the mechanics are the same they're complementary but the outcomes are slightly um, slightly different 
uh, you know, this is going to be a, sound like a really stupid question, but let's just go over what is employee advocacy. And I'm glad you asked me that because I think you always have to start with the definition. To um, and if you Google it, they're pretty much going to say something along the lines of sharing content to promote the organisation using their employees via social platforms, but. I find that the most effective part, and you just touched on it, is that the effective part is where the where the tool actually enters into the realm of social selling. Mm -hmm. And that doesn't often get much airtime. So where your employees are sharing content in order to educate and influence the services that um, the brand has to offer, the service then becomes primary and then the, the brand becomes secondary. Okay. This in turn offers sort of support to the employee's day-to-day -day jobs because it has multiple roles that I, th I think employee advocacy has serves many goals um, in, and it's multidimensional in that respect. So and I'm glad that you're kind of, you're, we're on the same boat around kind of the, the it can and is kind of social selling and those outcomes that you want to, yeah. to, to achieve. But then you also, and again, you know, I guess you and I coming from it, we've worked for large organizations that are that are complex, multidisciplinary, multiple um, multiple service lines. And you have said that, and I agree with you, that it is a multi-dimensional tool, which in itself, I believe, then presents a risk yeah. in terms of well, what if we think about that the employee is the person that is is pushing the um the content. Is there a risk where the employee them, themselves, let's just, I'm going to make this up. Let's say you advise on tax yeah. or you're a real estate um, person mm -hmm. and you advise on, um, I don't know, sheds up in the north. And by sheds, I mean industrial units. That's not what they call them, real estate. Yes. <laughs> sheds. It's the big warehouses. It's the big fulfillment centers, but it's known as, um, known as sheds. So, I've always had the view that they kind of need to stay in their in their lane from a content and dis distribution dispersion perspective that yeah. this is what I do versus going into you need to you need to push everything that we're asking you to push as as an organization. So how how does one balance that or educate mm. the person that it's as much about that it is as much about them as it is the company yeah and it is an education process but just to sort of start off on this is that that there's often a question about should they do it or should they not do it mm -hmm. and to address that part is that people connect with people um they don't connect with brands because when you have a faceless brand, you're not necessarily connecting as much. Yes, you know of the brand and you might actually like the brand, but at that point, that's that relationship is where it ends. Mm -hmm. Your employees are the people who are going out there, the agents themselves going out there, they're representing your brand. They are speaking to your clients, they're speaking to your stakeholders on a day-to-day -day basis. So why would they not be empowered enough to be able to share that content? Agreed. So there's the, the there's the permission piece, I guess, or the empowerment piece to your point that you can you can do this. Yeah. So why do we not? Um control. <laughs> okay. uh, that, that's a terrible thing to 
I do find that uh, it goes back to that earlier point that we we're talking about when regarding content is and because I've had my own sort of block uh, blockers on this when it came to me rolling out an employee advocacy program mm -hmm. and the teams were scared and it wasn't until I argued my case and similar to what I just said to you it's like they are trusted to go out there and represent the business on a day-to-day -day basis why are you not putting them up on on screen and they they generally don't really have much of an answer for that and they're just worried about well, oh, they're going to push push something out. And what you're going to find is that employees are self-selective about the content that they want to share. Mm -hmm. They don't want to be affiliated with rubbish content. They won't blindly necessarily share content. So some of them, most of them, in fact, I'd say that are afraid to share content. They they they. I often used to get the question, "Can I share this?" And I said, mm -hmm. "If it's on the website and it's public information, of course you can." Um, and it's just you asking yourself the question, is this relevant to my audience, to my network at that point? And so I think we don't give our employees as much credit as they deserve. Interesting. So the control, the control piece is management fearful that we're out of control if, yeah. oh, my God, someone's going to go viral. Da, 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 da. Yeah. Let's accept stuff. It gets, stuff goes wrong. It happens. Sometimes yes. mistakes are um, are made. So yeah. then that's the 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 permission the permission piece and empowerment piece. But then we take a layer down to the the employee. And I'm, gonna, I'm gonna stick at the moment with um revenue creation roles. This could be you know a surveyor, it could be a lawyer, it could be an accountant, it could be an out and out set, you know, salesperson. But of course we have mm -hmm. other other employees. So then it's the okay, now I know I'm allowed to do this. And yeah. there is content out there to use either corporate content or yes you can go and repurpose an interesting article from the states gazette or the lawyer or the ft or harvard business review or what have yeah. you why do we still then come up come up against this that there's people just not doing it even if we've um argued debated shared with them the the rationale and the reason that it can help them as individuals do you mean against the employees or the people no, who right, so so let's, let's assume that we have leadership so that yes you're empowered yeah. you can do it okay. let's, let's assume in a perfect world that there's you know, <laughs> there's really great content for employees to um to choose to, to to push out even if it's just the corporate content why do we then still see if we accept the the stats you know linkedin's now let's stick with linkedin but fundamentally it's yeah. a social media platform but LinkedIn's now 900 million members around the um uh, on the platform. Yet I think yeah. stats are roughly still it's only like one percent of um members still yeah. actually publish content. You know, it doesn't matter whether it's good or bad content. It's just they publish posts content on on, uh, on LinkedIn. Yet we are in an age of social media, and it's it it is surrounding us. So why in 2023, assuming that all those mechanisms are in place, do we feel yeah. that employees just still don't do it no thanks for the clarification um i think the challenges are that it's a cultural and behavioral shift okay. and nobody likes change nobody wants the extra work and you've got these competing priorities as a result and i'll just give you a scenario because these employees are not content creators they they don't wake up in the morning and think 
I must share this piece of content before I have watered fed, fed my children and got my children to school and, and every other priority on their list before they get out the door. They're not wired that way. This has to be about a convenience for them. Mm -hmm. And often tools are not necessarily convenient. The tools that I've worked with, with Disseminate, for example, were very convenient because they prompt the employee mm-hmm. um, to do so. Some empl- some tools don't do that. Um, and so they don't go looking. So uh, effectively, yes, the employee doesn't go looking for it and they're not going to receive, they want to receive that relevant information as a result. Mm-hmm. So you and I both know when you work in large companies, they, they work in silos. Yeah. It, it's just the crux of it. And employee advocacy helps solve the ability to bring company news to the forefront and to their attention, where websites and largely uh, li- websites and intranets are largely ineffective to do that because they're not going to spend their time looking for that content. So that they gather EA tools will gather that information, prompt your employees with that information to, to push it out there. Um, now, the second challenge in terms of employing, um, like getting empl- um, employees, sorry, to do and adopting the tool is that it's more effort. Sometimes it can be more effort than it's worth for them. So it is getting them to get into the rhythm of understanding why this tool is going to benefit them. And that's like that comes as part of a behavioral shift. That doesn't come overnight. It's going to take time. But when they see their peers doing it, or if they see that their um, competitors are also doing that, they are influencing via the content they're putting out there, they get competitive. They're like, well, I want to do that as a result. But it's going to take time. It's it's a it's a big cultural shift. And we've spoken about this before, where you don't necessarily... Um, it, it's going to take time to adopt. It's, it, it's moving the Titanic mm-hmm. as a result. It's, it's not going to happen overnight. And so often these processes, when you're ado- having these, um, ha- introducing employee advocacy, whether with a tool or without, it has to be a seamless process. It cannot be, it has to be frictionless as a result. Mm-hmm. And the tool is the way to do that and to, in order to, for it to gather the content, lay the content out in a non-confusing way, and then be able to craft a message for you to be able to publish. And often I find that there's so many companies that do not know that there are tools out there that can do that. Okay, including the message crafting, even including the message crafting bit as well. The, yeah. Those are unique messages because the, the, exactly. the umbrage I have with EA tools Mm-hmm. is that that in itself actually creates creates the corporate spam because you've got the employees yeah. just going if they're willing to do it but it's just like post 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 and then it's all this you're, you're back to kind of square one of just a, the sea of the sea of sameness and even though we, we yeah. encourage them no add your own your own spin to it and add your own uh your your piece to it which is why i'm not entirely sure why linkedin have add the repost button to be honest i'm not yes. <laughs> the value value in there anyway we we digress so if i'm hearing correctly there are tools out there which can help you craft yeah a unique message and i was promised i wouldn't say it but i'm gonna have to because of the microsoft announcements and i guess with chat gpt this has become more of a um standard i guess over the next uh 
five years or so. And that that's the evolution of how this is going to play out. But there are tools that allow you to sort of craft multiple messages so that your message doesn't look exactly the same. Okay. Yes, you can add your own spin. And I always encourage anyone who I'm training to personalize it. Put it in your language if you can. Put it in a way that it sounds like your tone, your style as opposed to just copying what is out there. Sometimes they need that for as, as training wheels. They're a bit nervous about putting out their first post or first few posts, and that's fine. But that's that's the space that they're in at the minute. It's just that they are dipping their toes in the water, and sometimes they do they, they will end up eventually reposting the same stuff. So to that point then, and we've just focused on, you know, pushing corporates, mm content at yeah. the moment does employee advocacy then include or should include um leading questions shouldn't ask those the fact that employees are also allowed to have their own personality and brand on social that kind of steps outside of the the, the corporate machine did you um did you see the tweet that went out from the cap there's a pilot from ba uh, it happened on a couple of days ago now. He was he was asked not to tweet out. He's got 100,000 followers and was asked not to tweet pictures of sunsets and pictures with celebrities that come into the cockpit. And um, it, he's got a fantastic following. And he's been asked by BA not to be able to publish that, not to, pu not to put out that yeah. content. Now, people are in uproar. He's had so far. He's had two million views off the back of it, and a and his comments are flooded. Um, and the conversation continues on LinkedIn, Twitter, and everywhere else. So I think that that is a prime example of why should he not have his own personality? Mm -hmm. He still he said he's working for the brand. He's clearly advocating for the brand, and they love yep. him for it. But why would you not want your own personality? And I I get in certain industries like the ones that we, you and I have worked in you won't want that but why would you not have that um that personality everyone has a personality it's almost like well you have to have the same haircut every every employee must have the same haircut <laughs> or or they have to wear a uniform to come into work you'll have outroar i guess i guess what it comes back to then is the um i guess we got, we've got to be clear here in terms of the personality piece and this is what i guess the shift that happened over COVID, especially in our world of professional services, yeah. was, was insane. You saw people putting stuff on there that they would never normally do. And I'm not talking outrageous stuff. Again, it was a lawyer yeah. from firm who remained nameless. And he said, I was doing a Zoom court hearing and he basically had a shirt and tie on here, shorts underneath. And he basically went viral by law firm terms. And I think he can, I, think I said, I guarantee you've got more views and impressions on that single post than your marketing team has ever been able to achieve ever in the history of, um, uh, of marketing. And then I said, has it actually generated any conversations and connections? He went, yes, actually it has created some new connections with counsel as, as, um, as well. So I think let's be clear here. This isn't, a, again, it's this, this split though. It's the, we're not saying go all, all, all Facebook-y, but um, there has been a shift in terms of the type of content that we now see on platforms like LinkedIn that you wouldn't have seen you know, 10 years ago, would never you know, even considered and to where we are, are today. And it's that, for me, it's that, yes, share your personality, but in a way that you'd be comfortable doing on stage at a conference. Or exactly, a, in, in or a, a networking event. Yeah. Manner, 
um, or in a conversation you'd have with a client that you know really well about kind of what you do outside yeah. of the day job, which we all um, which we all do. But then that comes full circle back to your know, BA example of kind of the, the corporate freaking out. But how does that reflect the brand of the the brand? And if we you know we're sensible about it. Is awesome. It's like I oh, really want to work in a company that does that or has that kind of um, uh, kind of yeah. that, that, that individual. So I've answered my own question there. So forgive me. No, and, I, and, I, and I think sorry and just to add to that and I think that that's that's the space that you kind of want to go into now in environments where you and I have worked in law in finance in real estate somewhat as well who very traditional mm-hmm. um, industries it's less likely to happen yes unfortunately that happened in the law firm but that was a mistake I don't think it was on purpose um, but it, it's happened and it shows that we're multi-dimensional Uh, and as a result, and I, I do find that if we don't, if we're not looking at that as we are human beings, and that's what the pandemic brought out, is that we are human beings, we have lives, and oh my gosh, yes, we have children, and we have dogs, and we have pets, and all those sorts of things, and it was almost acceptable, whereas before you'd be mortified if anyone sort of saw that as a result. No, in, in, indeed, just to be clear, the, the post from the lawyer in, in question, he posted it. It was intentional. Shorts on. Oh. <laughs> shorts on watch shorts on while doing the um uh, oh, doing dear. the right thing. And I said it got lots of um lot, lots of engagement. So mm. um should every employee be engaged in employee advocacy? No. Um I don't think it should be forced. Um because you're just going to you're not the adoption rate's not going to be high. You they're going to find it a chore. It has to be something that they want to do. Um, But the other thing is not every employee needs to have that face. But I say that um, I know a university whose dinner ladies get more traction than anything else. So why not? Um, and I kind of look at it in a quite a simplistic form of view. And lots of the ways that I do look at it is quite simplistic in that way, is that it's applying the common sense to it. If your employees don't want to do it, don't force them to do it. If they do want to do it, then understand what their rationale is behind. And if you don't see the rationale, get them to explain the rationale. Why do they want to do it? So that's... That's why I really enjoy these conversations. That's potentially a really interesting angle to take is almost when launching an employee advocacy program, if you will, those listening, I just did the inverted commas around that, is that and maybe this is the approach that people are taking. I've just been out of it for too, for, for, for too long, but you, you ask people to volunteer. It's like, yeah. we're doing this. If you want to be part of it, great. If you don't, don't. And start yeah. with the, you know, start with those that are, um you know willing volunteer willing volunteers and again back to a law firm um i think one of their finance team is an influencer on instagram because he's got triplets and so shares the story about triplets and then the you know he's used that to then how this is how i do it this is what it's um you know this is what it means to the point i understand he's actually got an, an agency managing his you know he's a proper influencer on on insta telling a story around having um having triplets but you know i always feel that yes yes not every employee should be on social however let's say you are you sell a finance related product 
you should at least encourage your finance team to push this into their networks because guess what? They're going to be connected to other finance team. Or if you push a marketing related product, then you should probably encourage your, I mean, I hope the marketing team are, are engaged anyway, but you know, we do sometimes see it is terrifying how many CMOs you look in professional services that aren't active on social, but that's another story. Yeah. Uh, so, but I really like that, that the concept of actually make it voluntary and then um, I'm now thinking of the um, the video of the the leader dancing with the guy at the rave on the hill. He starts and someone else starts. And I think to your yeah. point, other people start to see it's safe, it's okay. Um, mm. We can do it, and it's not the it, you know, the world isn't going to end, and and so on and so forth. But then then takes me to you mentioned earlier around the the conference you were at last last mm. week of B two B influencers. And the concept has been around for a for a while, and but I don't see I don't think I've ever seen any brand B two B brand certainly in my space kind of go down that route of having an influencer per se kind of push yeah. what they what they do. I I I can't and maybe as I'm blinking to professional services, but I can't see it in B two B pro service. But I'm happy to be challenged or otherwise based on what you heard at the conference last week which I was yeah well <laughs> she she had some great stats to support it and I, I I applauded her for it and I thought if I if I was sort of going into that space I would definitely explore b2b influencers but they have to be the right partnership mm -hmm. and I think you as in you interviewed um someone I think from partner tap as it yeah. Partner tap? yeah yeah and um Sandra. where they were talking about they were talking about that ecosystem mm -hmm. where you partner with other people it doesn't have to necessarily always be with brands or yeah. other organizations okay. why would you not apply that same concept to influencers okay so it's not and um, that that i can get on board with not that i'm not yeah. on board these be influenced like yeah. they can work in in other industries but it's, it's more mm. i think it's just the word the minute you say influencer your brain just goes to you know oh god what about yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, <it's>, I know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm there. Um, because what I've started to see in the last couple of years in B2B SaaS is some an employee is just one of these brilliantly naturally gifted people that yeah. clever, witty, knows how to create sharp content, can get on trends, and they've moved into these kind of community manager roles. So Alex Sue is the one that always springs to mind from Ironclad which is a legal contract lifecycle management piece of software. You've got Tom Boston, um, who was a sales, he's a former radio DJ uh, in the UK and um, became a sales rep for SalesLoft, but created amazing video content and now has moved into that, in moved into marketing that community role. Another chap um, called Will Aiken, who's based in Canada, um, was with SalesSpeak, just um, joined Lavender, who is an AI-powered, um, uh, AI-powered, um, email sales marketing uh, tool and they've all been employed and they've all been employed to be the voice and the brand you know almost like ea on steroids but they are the one person that's then the rest of the organization gravitates around and repurposes and reuses their content yeah. to create that because the content is so clever is so funny and engaging should more traditional organizations again leading question forgive me <laughs> consider 
um, or how might uh, more traditional organizations start to consider maybe taking that internal influencer approach, but actually yeah. deploy them and empower them yeah. to, to, to do the sort of things that the, the Alex's, the Will's, um, and Tom's of the of the world are doing in, in, in the software space. And I think you're, yeah, and, and it's a good point because I think a lot of companies will have that person or f people mm -hmm. who have that and specialize in their own field. You talked about sheds earlier. We have an influencer in sheds. Okay. He's the go-to person. He he works in research and he was he's really, really fantastic at what he pushed out there. Um, but what it did allow and what the EA tools do allow you to do is to draw those people out. And what you're finding is that they are then, all they're using the tool for at that point is to find that content and then put their own spin on it. So, and I don't think that there's anything wrong with that. And you can put guardrails in place, by the way. Mm -hmm. um, but going back to your point in terms of influencers, I definitely think there's a space for it. Why would there not be in terms of when, when I'm thinking of an ecosystem, I'm thinking your employees, your influencer, your external influencers, your brand partnerships, your stakeholders, whoever they may be, bringing them together to get everyone sort of working together to make an impact for your organization. I feel like that's a huge lost opportunity anyway, if it's not being used, utilized. Yeah, I I I agree with you. I challenge a lot of my clients around, you know, we go outside of LinkedIn, like TikTok or Instagram, this and that, especially around video. I say to them, especially the large ones, I guarantee you've got employees in this firm who've got TikTok channels or amazing creatives. They do it in their spare time. They create stuff. Go and find them and start to leverage that skill and expertise, irrespective of where they sit in finance, IT, they're the dinner lady, they're the pilot. It doesn't matter if they've got the skill set then and they're passionate about it. Why do you not want to nurture and <laughs> use that in your own internal, um, uh, in yeah. your own internal kind of ecosystem? Yeah, so, and it, it, oh, I guess it sorry. comes. Sorry, but it, it continues to draw out those personalities, and those personalities, I, I do feel like they need some airtime as a result. Agreed. Uh, violently on the same same page on, <laughs> Good. Uh, on that one I, I always like to give my listeners it's from a post i read a number of years ago around too many podcasts are just rambling podcasts this is of course not rambling podcast um and um uh my listeners will hopefully will attest to that but i do like to help people with some kind of actionable kind of insights or some top tips so um if any listeners are thinking about revamping or restarting or starting kind of an employee advocacy program what what would be kind of your go-to things to consider or or mm. or do yeah so and that's a very good question because i think you need to choose the right tool okay. so if i get if i go about my method of how i did this and how i accomplished it at savills um it was i used this as um, an effective way to sort of achieve multi a multitude of company goals so I defined what my company goals were first and then I went out to see if the tools supported those objectives and there's lots of tools out there that do it well and there's some that do it really badly um, and so we chose disseminate because I felt like they really did understand the market and the challenges that the business faced the second thing we did was we went to those people who were active on social media yeah. because Savills were not necessarily they're very traditional they're not those that's not a brand that is going to be going out there to share content now you can't stop them sharing content 
but that and that's the space that we're in now but we position them as a part we position these hundred people to trial it Mm-hmm. We found those advocates and we got them to activate it to see, because then at that point, it's not a cultural change. They already understand how to go about and what the benefits of sharing content brings. Um, they just needed to adopt the tool. We then managed to get feedback and we closely monitored the tool as a, and the results, but measure everything. And I, I would tell everyone to measure every single metric that you can get yeah. your hands on. Mm-hmm. Um and once we did roll it out, I noticed that the numbers, so when we scaled it beyond that 100 people, I did notice that the numbers started to dip. So what I did start to look at is how what training is required. And what I found was that it wasn't necessarily the adoption of the tool. The tool has to be as easy for as a, for a five-year-old to adopt. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the adoption of LinkedIn. It's getting them to understand Okay. What, how is LinkedIn going to help you? And how is LinkedIn then going to be able to help you achieve your goals? Are you well connected? Mm-hmm. Are your profiles in the best possible, presenting you in the best possible light? Um, and are you then sharing the right content? Because when you, you and I both know when you share content, people come back and look at your profile. So you have to represent yourself. But you also have to be net, um, you have to be highly networked because otherwise you're just sharing to your echo chamber as a result. So it becomes, sorry, it becomes an echo chamber. Um, so that's how we kind of went about it. And that I found, even though it was a slower process mm-hmm. and disseminate were saying to me, look, you know, you can accelerate it, but we, we, we found it going slowly, getting that adoption, getting people to understanding, spending time with small groups was much more effective than doing it at scale because you're not necessarily, they don't feel like you're talking to them yeah. at that point. Um, and that was, that's how we achieved the success that we did and on, on the platform. And we, we grew hugely. And I think we um, managed to achieve a lot of success. And also we drove a lot of website traffic back to our mm. content. So well, that meant that people were reading it. So we were measure. so what we were measuring was um, we looked at how well the platforms were adopted. So we have to look at that. We looked at how active those members were and it was almost going back to them when they weren't that active, how much website traffic it was generating. um, And can the tool tell you how much money it's saving you? I thought that was the most powerful tool. So Mm -hmm. I used to go to the CEO and our senior leadership teams to say, did you know that we saved you half a million pounds? And they were like, is that ad spend pay per click? I'm guessing that. that time. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So at that point, I've got their attention. Yeah. <clears throat> and so they're, they're more likely to invest in what, what I'm trying to do. Um, and then, um, and then the other thing was just reporting on how much content is being shared. And I also think it's a very good gauge of what content is working. If your employee is not prepared to share that content, there's a reason why that content is not performing and it's not great. And it almost it, it brings it full circle. So because we're talking about content, if the content isn't good, it just won't get shared. It won't generate the clicks either. It's a good point. I never thought about that. If an employee is not willing to share their own corporate content, there's something something wrong with the content. If they're not willing to share, why the hell is anybody yeah. else? Want to? What, exactly. What's yeah. it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> so it, it it gives you that yardstick to measure yeah, yeah. everything and and in order for that way we kind of we we were able to see the visibility but engagement and visibility are sort of vanity metrics and some and it's for more for the um, employee to say oh well i, I got ten thousand yeah. views on my post but it was more sort of for us to see how effective the tool was and how effective the program was yeah awesome well, what a way to uh, end today's podcast. Thank you so much, Kenna. So now you're out in the wild, in the wild. Um, where can people <laughs> find you if they want your help, your guidance, your expertise in, in all of this? Thank you. Uh, LinkedIn is probably the best way to find me um, for now. And I'm, I'm building out websites, etc. So you'll, you'll see I'll more and the, hear more. I'll from. put the links in the wherever it is. I'm pointing Thank the you. box. I think, getting, I think I'm getting this right. Smash that subscribe button, all that kind of fun stuff. No, because I'm not going down that route. Uh, the links will be in the chats. And please do reach out to Ketna if you think she can help. Even if it's just a conversation, vast, vast yeah. wealth of knowledge and insights. Uh, and experience as always my listeners thank you so much for listening if you want to be on the podcast you want to be if you want to recommend anybody to be on the podcast uh but for now um Ketna, thank you i really appreciate your time and wherever you are in the world um the robots are coming for us until next time thank you alex <laughs> <laughs>